Hey y'all, welcome to Adorn Podcast. This is episode 96. And today you get to hear the second part of our breakout from the Proclaimed Truth Conference. Hi friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. Welcome, welcome to Adorn Podcast. We are here live at Proclaim Truth. We are so excited to be here um, and just learning so much this weekend. So much. And it's awesome. The theme is the doctrine of scripture, which, as you know, is our favorite. Yes. Well, I shouldn't say that's our favorite. That might be blasphemous. Can we do that? I don't know know if we can pick a favorite. That might not be good. Okay. Okay. So uh, let's move on from that point. Um, So we're going to walk through this morning, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And before we ever start a book, what do we start with? Um, hmm. Oh, yeah, the context. Context. <laughs> it's a little bit important. We usually do a whole episode um, on context, but we don't have that much time today, so we're going to just spend a few minutes on it. Yes, so who wrote John? <laughs> this is so funny. Okay. Tell the story. <laughs> oh, man, you're going to call me out. So John, the son of Zebedee, wrote John, not John the Baptist. <laughs> I was mistaken. So this just goes to show, like, I've grown up in church my whole life, like, read the Bible. And I thought, like, going into preparing for this, I was like, yeah, John the Baptist totally wrote John. And then I was like, oh, no, it wasn't John the Baptist. So that was the first thing I learned about the book of John. It's so great. And that's that's such a good point, because as we go into these conversations, some people might feel like, I have to know everything. I have to know everything. If I'm going to lead someone in a discussion, I have to know it all. But I mean, like Casey said, she's studied John before, and she's been in church her whole life and she just thought and it was we have a podcast the about the bible yeah. <laughs> and yeah it's so totally great. didn't know it's so great okay so who is the audience who is john writing to so both jews and gentiles living in the greco-roman world in ephesus and beyond and why does that matter why why do we care about that well before this time the jews were known as god's chosen people so it's important to note that john is talking to everyone here mm-hmm. and not just the jews so yeah. knowing who he taught who he's talking to matters just for reference. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And when was it written? Between 70 AD and 100 AD. And dates are usually a little bit... Um, a range. Yeah, a yeah. range. And people sometimes disagree. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's what my Bible said. So we're going with it. That's good. <laughs> so what, what are some themes that we see in the book of John? Well, it's a gospel. Um, it's not a synoptic gospel which we'll talk about that in a second, but it's one of the Gospels. And so the, the main theme is that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the one that we've, they've been looking for and that he is truly God and truly man. And he's the, basically the Gospel is the main theme and that through believing in that, that, that's what gives us eternal life, through believing in that Jesus was, is the Son of God, that we can put our trust in that, and that's how we're saved. So what's a synoptic Gospel? That's a big word. 
Oh, I wish I knew what synoptic actually meant. I think I it don't. means like the same. Okay. I think sin okay. means same. Okay, so. so John is different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the reason that it's different, or one of the reasons that it's different, is because when he's writing, he's assuming that the people he's writing to have already heard Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They may not have a physical copy of it, but they would have known the gospel of Matthew and Mark and Luke. So he's not feeling like he has to describe everything because he knows that most of the people who are reading this already had some of that information. That's why when we start, it has such a different start to the Gospel of John than to, than any of the other Gospels, because he's he's not having to re-say everything. There is, of course, a lot of the same things, but it he doesn't feel like he has to explain everything exactly the same, which what she read yesterday about how John ends. So funny, because that drives me nuts. <laughs> like how he's like, crazy. there's so many other things that Jesus did, but we can't say them all. And I'm like, but what are they? She has a major FOMO. She's like missing out on what Jesus did. I know. And I want to know. But someday you can ask him. That's going to be your first question. What's all the other things that John was talking about? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right, let's jump into John. Okay. So John one verse one says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So what does that mean? I mean, if you're if you're walking through this with someone who maybe hasn't read the Bible before, that could be a really weird sentence. Like, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. Like, there's a lot going on there. And um, I think somebody, I think maybe JT mentioned this yesterday or some, in one of the breakouts. But that word logos, that word for the word, would have a lot of connotation to the people who are reading this or hearing this. Um, it would bring them back to Genesis. We hear that phrase, in the beginning, just like Genesis. And the word for word, um, this gets a little confusing saying word for word, but the logos that he's using would mean and would bring to mind how God created. It was by the power of his word. It was this that he spoke and the earth was created, and that he spoke, and that all the things came to be. And so when they hear this, there's a lot more weight to it than we might automatically understand. And that's why studying like this is so great, because you might just read through that and be like, I kind of understand that, I kind of don't, but I'm going to keep reading because I can't stop at one verse. But it gives you the freedom to do that. And another thing I, I heard this um, as I was studying, and what he talked about was that the word logos would also bring this idea of bringing order to chaos because that's what happened at creation, right? It was just like void and empty and then there became order in the chaos. And so when they hear that, they're understanding that when we're referencing Jesus as the word, that Jesus is the one who brings order to the chaos. And I heard that and I was like, wow, that's really good. And um, so I think that that gives us a little more understanding of why he chose to say this instead of just saying Jesus in the beginning was was the son of God, but instead he says in the beginning was the word. Did you find more on that? Well, when you're talking about like bringing um, order out of chaos, Mm -hmm. in my study Bible, it said in Greek philosophy, logos was reason or logic as an abstract force Uh. that brought order and harmony to the universe. But in John's writing, such qualities of the logos are gathered in the person of Christ. Uh. So once again, bringing order to that chaos. Yeah, that's good. We see here too, we see glimpses of the Trinity. We see how it says um, the word was with God and the word was God, which is another kind of play on words. And it can be a little confusing if you're not really studying it. But what he's saying is that Jesus is God 
and he was with God. So we hear that trinity of how, you know, how they can be one but distinct and how Jesus could be with God and he was God. And so there's a lot of trinity language with throughout the book of John and he just starts with it right away. Yeah, and it's also kind of confusing. It's like, why is Jesus called the word? Well, just like the word of God is a revelation of who God is. Mm -hmm. Jesus is a revelation of who God is. He's God in the flesh. That's good. That's good. All right. Verses two through five. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. There's some tongue twisters through here, guys. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So we did a series um, for Advent uh, leading up through December that was all about um, kind of like what we're learning this week and the meta narrative of scripture. So we did one week on creation, fall, redemption, and there's so many different words for the last one now, glorification, consummation, rest- restoration. restoration. Yeah. Um, and so we talked about how Jesus is a part of each of those, how the son of God has a role in each of those and how they affect Christmas and why knowing those things should alter the way we view Christmas. And one of the things that um, we talked about with that was that Sometimes we have this idea that Jesus just shows up at Christmas. Like he was born as a baby and that's his entrance into the scene. And honestly, before I really studied the Bible, that's what I thought. I just thought, you know, there was God the Father and then Jesus was created at Christmas. But as we understand, as the more we start to study scripture, we know that that's not the case. What he's saying here is that that the Son of God was there at creation and that he was there in the beginning and that he is eternal. And I think knowing all of those things helps us to understand his role and helps us to understand the gospel. Um, I, I think it was Jackie yesterday who said, you don't have the gospel. Oh, no, it was, it was um, Wendy. Whitney. She Whitney. said that... Um, you don't have the gospel if you don't have the Old Testament. You don't have the gospel if you don't have anything past the gospels. Mm -hmm. And I think that was such a good point because if we just think Jesus just showed up as a baby, then we're missing that all of the Old Testament is pointing to him and that he is part of the Trinity and he was there at creation. Yeah, that's good. Is anybody else afraid of the dark? I don't like the dark. (laughs) I struggle with anxiety. And when things are dark, I'm like, my heart starts racing. And so this part of this passage is so comforting to me because if you think of complete darkness, like complete darkness, if there is any bit of light, it's not completely dark anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that's what Jesus does. He brings light to that darkness in our life. And if we have Jesus, like we don't have to live in that darkness. And so I love this part of, of the passage that we're talking about today. That's really good. I think John, too, is trying to start his gospel. And this is this is not from any other theologian. This is just my interpretation. So Theologian Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I think what he's doing here is he's starting off the gospel. Like we said, the theme is that he's trying to show that Jesus is the Messiah. And I think part of that is showing that Jesus is worthy of our worship. And by saying that he was in the beginning and he brings the light to the darkness and all of these things that he's saying is reminding us of that he is worth our whole life. He is worthy of our worship. And he's starting out not with the fact that Jesus was born in a manger, but he's starting out with that Jesus, the son of God, is eternal and worthy of mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, I was listening to a Matt Chandler sermon, and he um, used this quote from Bruner's commentary on John, and I just thought it was really, really good. He said, come into union with the word who made you, and you will come to life. You came from him. Please come back to him. You were made for him. The result 
result of this reunion will be more than human existence. It will be human life. And so Matt, he talked about how we weren't uh, we, we weren't made for anybody else. We weren't made for our spouse. We weren't made for our kids. We weren't made for our friends. We were made for Jesus. And so just to remember that, remember who made us and why we were made. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. kind of changes your perspective on your yeah. day-to-day life. Yeah, that's really good. So verses 6 through 8 is our next little piece that we broke down. And it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, not the John that is writing this. (laughs) Y'all, I was so confused when I was reading this at first. (laughs) Whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. He is reiterating that again. Yes. Because it's important that Jesus is the important one, not John. Yeah. The other night we were driving home. Um, like I said, I have twin six-year-old girls, and we were driving home, and it was this most beautiful full moon. It had, you know, it was only like seven or eight, so it had just started rising, so it looked huge, and the girls were fascinated by it, and they were saying, they're like, wow, look how light the moon is. Look how bright it is. It's shining so bright, and I was like, well, actually, the moon doesn't provide its own light. All the moon is doing is reflecting the light um, from the sun, and it kept bringing me back to this passage of how what he's talking about here is that that John is saying, I'm not the light. All I'm here to do is to shine Jesus's light. I'm to reflect that. And that's the same calling on all of our lives. And this is where we can kind of jump into some application is what are you reflecting? When people look at you, are they seeing, you know, wow, she's a really good Instagram feed or she's a really great mom or she's the best worker I've ever seen or she's a really good wife or all of those things are great and they can lead us and give us chances to talk about why we might be those things because of the grace of God or because of Jesus in our life. But really what we want to be reflecting is is Jesus. We want to be, when people look at us, we want them to see Jesus. We don't want them to see anything else. And so that's what this this passage just kept coming back to me of like, what do people see when they see me? And that might even be a good question to, to talk about in your community of the, the women that you're meeting with is if you were to describe me in three words or if you were to, you know, tell someone, oh, have you met Erin? She's blank. Like, what what are you reflecting? Yeah. It's good. It, it might be a little Ugh. convicting. That's what I was thinking. In these discussions, it's you're going to have some vulnerable moments. Yeah, I for mean, sure. we have. And our moments get broadcasted to lots of people on a podcast. (laughs) But, I mean, doing um, theology and studying the Bible together, it creates a bond Mm -hmm. like no other. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like Aaron and I, we were close before, but since we started this, we're even closer because um, it just, it, it's how God intended for us as believers mm-hmm. to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just really a neat thing. So those first few meetings might be a little awkward, but as you get to know each other and as you study the Bible together more and more, that vulnerability will come. Yeah, yeah. It will. Okay, verses 9 and 10. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. The word everyone stood out to me in this passage because, um, as we talked about before, he was writing to the Jews and the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And so this was, he was reiterating that God's grace is for everyone, not just for the Jews, not just for the good people, not just for the people that look a certain way, but it was for everyone. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it was just another reminder of the son's eternal existence. And in my study Bible, there's a note that says, in this gospel, truth and true are often employed to signify what is everlasting or heavenly, as opposed to the merely temporal or earthly. Just So just remembering that God, I'm mean, Jesus, the son, has always been and always will be. He, it wasn't his stint on earth was not... Um, temporary like he he will always be and has always been yeah that's a good reminder you looking up something yeah I'll use it later okay (laughs) so verses 11 through 13 says he came to his own and his own people did not receive him but to all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God so this is this is a time where we thought it would be a good example to kind of show what we mean when we say how do you use scripture to interpret scripture? Because um, you might read that and you're, there's a lot of repetition, there's a lot of using the same words, there's a lot of words like blood and flesh, and you're like what? And he talks about becoming the children of God. And so if you want to know more about any of these things, a great tool to use is your Bible might have a concordance in the back. It also might have some verses along the side or along the bottom that you might have a similar word or a similar idea or a similar doctrine or things like that. And you can use scripture to interpret scripture. So um, the first thing that stood out to me in that passage is like, how do we have a right to become children of God? And Casey mentioned that this is written to the Jews and the Gentiles. So this was um, something that they, they both sides of that kind of struggled with of yeah. how, how is this different now? What does this look like for us? And so a good place to go always, but a good place to go specifically about um, becoming children of God is Romans. Um, Romans talks a lot about, you know, everything, everything. I say all roads lead to Romans. It's my favorite book. If we can have a favorite book. I love Romans. I think you can have a favorite book. Okay. Well, it's Romans. Okay. Okay. So (laughs) he talks about that a lot in Romans two, Romans nine, Romans 10. Um, one passage that I was going to read is Romans two. Um, I'm trying to decide how much I want to read because I feel like the whole chapter would be really good about it, but I'm just going (laughs) to, I'm just going to start, um, and read. 28 and 29. So it says, for a person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, and true circumcision circumcision is not something visible in the flesh. On the contrary, a person is a Jew who is one inward, inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart, by the spirit, not the letter. That person's praise is not from people, but from God. So he's talking about how circumcision is no longer under the old law, like it was in the Old Testament. Now it's about your heart. It's about circumcision of the heart, and that Gentiles are grafted in as well to become children of God. So there's a lot of passages you can go to, but we just wanted to encourage you guys to do that. It's been really helpful for us to understand because you may feel like, I understand this verse let me read some other verses on it. And you're like, I did not understand what he meant by meek. I thought meek meant weak. But now I've read yeah. a bunch of verses about how meek really means, you know, strength in control. And so just being able to do that, I think, is really helpful. Yeah, that's good. So I like this um, section because we talk a lot about how Jesus was God made flesh and he was flesh. Like he experienced what we experience. He had to suffer. He felt Mm -hmm. pain. He, you know, he felt all of these things, but sometimes we forget that. And this to me was a good reminder because it says that his own people did not receive him. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times I think they mentioned it yesterday. You know, we feel like foreigners we're living in this exile. Like the rest of the world doesn't get what we believe and why we believe it. And um, 
sometimes that feels strange and sometimes that feels lonely. Mm -hmm. You feel like you're the only one that feels that way. But to remember that Jesus felt that way too, his own people did not receive him. That's just incredibly comforting. And then also this specific passage, like Aaron was talking about, this is talking about um, the regeneration that happens when you receive Christ that comes through faith. So that's that piece that Whitney was talking about last night, that regeneration. And um, once again, like she said, these books are full of good like soteriology, your doctrine of salvation. Mm-hmm. This is um, a little bonus. This is not in our notes. But as you were talking, I was thinking um, in Hebrews 4, verse 15, it says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize, sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way and yet without sin. So let us approach the throne of grace with boldness that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And this, um, I think this is another really great application point or a reflection point um, to think of, you know, what's kind of something that you might be struggling or facing right now. Um, like I said, I just had a baby. So like my biggest struggle right now is just balance. I mean, I have two kids here in school, so they need to get back to normal life, but I just had a baby. And so it's, it's this, like, how do I balance this? I also work and then run the ministry. So is it my biggest struggle right now is balance. And I've never thought about Jesus having to deal with that. And, and I'd, I'd really encourage you to think about that maybe throughout the next day and just really think about this says that he was tempted and tried in every way. And so he can sympathize with us. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is that you're facing, Jesus, he understands. Like, what a gift is that? He didn't have to. He didn't have to do that. He's God. He didn't have to face everything. He didn't have to struggle with everything. But he did so that he could sympathize with our weaknesses. So as I, as I cry out and I say, Lord, I don't know how to balance this. I don't, I don't, I don't know what this is going to look like moving forward. I don't know if I can do this. Like, I can understand and find scriptures even where I see you know, Jesus is walking and going to another town to share the gospel and someone might come up to him and say, hey, I need healing or this person needs healing. And he's got to try to decide what, what's, what's urgent here. Do I keep going? Do I stop and heal this person? And, and that's if, if you're a mom or, you know, in, at work and we're faced with decisions like that every day. Do I do this? Do I stop? What's more urgent? What's more holy? What's more kingdom work? What do I do? And understanding that Jesus, he faced the same things. And that we can approach with the boldness like that. I just get like, whoo, like it's just so great. Like what a gift from God to give Mm -hmm. us that and that we can come to him with those struggles and that he understands. Anyways, that was not in our notes. That was just. Yeah, that's a a freebie. Yeah, (laughs) just to know that we're not alone. Like I don't like being alone. I know you don't like being alone. Oh, my goodness. And so, yeah, just to know we're not alone, to know that Jesus has been there. It's just so comforting. And like Aaron said, such a gift. Yeah, one more thing before we move on from that passage. We see in this in this particular two or three verses where he's talking about that um, all who believe are given the right to become the children of God. And this is a point where, like we say, we get vulnerable. And this is something that I was feeling really convicted about because in my own life, I have noticed that I will take inventory of the people in my life and I will subconsciously, I don't feel like I'm trying to do this, but I will think, okay, who do I think God would save? I'll spend the most time talking to them about Jesus. Like I have some sort of right or idea of what God's going to do. And there might be somebody in your life, like there's someone in my life who I'm like, I've, I've shared the gospel with them. You know, I've talked to them. I've, they've seen me walk with the Lord for years and nothing has happened. So I'm just going to kind of give up on that person. I'm not going to really spend that much time praying for them anymore. Like God obviously isn't 
care about that person, which is none of that is true. And that is so arrogant of me to think that. Like I have some understanding of what God's going to do in people's lives. And and this really was convicting to me to, to just remember like we all carry the Imago Dei. We're all made in the image of God and that we all need to hear about his love and his care and his kindness and the work that Jesus did on our behalf and that I don't have any right to decide who gets to hear that and who doesn't and that I need to be faithful to the people that God has put in my life because like this says all who receive him all who believe in his name have the right to become children of God I don't get to decide that he does and so that was really convicting to me and I don't like saying that out loud because it sounds so ugly but that's something that you know this is a good time for confession when you're walking in community with someone in, in going through theology, this is where you can say in a safe space, like, this was convicting to me because I'm not doing it right. Like, this is what God's calling us to, and I'm not doing it. And I need to repent of that. And I need you to help me to be accountable to walk in the way that the Lord is calling me to walk. And there's so much freedom in doing that. There's so much freedom in in being able to say that and not feel judged or condemned and just being able to say, hey, help me with this because this is what God expects of us. This is what God calls us to, and I'm not doing it right. And you never know. Like, I would say that's something I struggle Mm -hmm. with too, for Mm -hmm. sure. And you never know when there'll be one or two or three people that come alongside you and say, I struggle with that too. Like, let's work on this together. Or maybe I used to struggle with that and I've mm-hmm. overcome it, yeah, and this good. is how God helped me overcome that. So I'm going to help you in this process too. So yeah, that's good. Um, verses 14 through 18 say, "And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son." From the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was given before me, but because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. We might have, should have broken that down a little bit more, but it's a lot because it's a lot. <laughs> well, I think what we want to do is show that sometimes you might do one verse and sometimes you might yeah, do a whole section. True. True. And this part, I feel like it kind of goes together, but mm-hmm. we can still break it down as we talk about it. Like, I think verse 14 really jumps out to me from, from this passage because yeah. um, every year at Advent, I, I pick one verse to kind of just really soak in and meditate on and pray every day and memorize. Um, And this was my verse this year before I even knew we were going to be doing John one, but this was my verse. And um, I think that there is power in, sitting in scripture. Oh, absolutely. And I'm the kind of person who's like, I want to get through it fast. I want to learn everything I can learn. I want to do as much as I can. And during Advent is a real challenge for me because I really force myself to slow down and, and sit in just one verse. And so this was my verse for Advent. And as I was studying and, and just like really focusing on this verse, I just came, just kept coming back to the fact of like, how amazing is that? Mm-hmm. That the word became flesh. If you were raised in the church or you've been in the church for a while, it's kind of just like you hear that all the time. So it kind of just becomes normal. And you're like, yeah, I know Jesus came. Like that's the whole point of Christianity. Like I get it. But then when you really think about it, the fact like the creator of the universe wrapped in flesh as a baby, like the most humbling way possible in a manger Like, it doesn't get more humble than that. Like, it just blows my mind. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to come that way. He didn't have to be a baby and have to learn how to walk and have to 
cry and do I mean do you think do you think he cried? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's fully he human. Got, he got hungry. Yeah, okay. Crying is not a sin. No, true. <laughs> <laughs> I was like trying to see where your thought process was going. <laughs> right now I'm studying like the doctrine of Christ of like how he was fully man and fully God. So I'm like my bearing. Her is, mind like, is like blown right now. <laughs> but like, yeah, so he came and it's just like, I just kept coming back to like being in awe of that, of just, and sometimes I think we need to do that. Like, especially as women who are in the Bible and teaching others the Bible and whatever capacity that looks like for you, we really need to just come back to the heart of it. And just be humbled and just be broken by the fact that he loved us enough. And Casey says this often, and I think it's a really good point. Like, even if I was the only one, he would have still done it. And, like, that just rocks your world. And we just read through this. Like, sometimes as we're reading, you know, maybe through a Bible reading plan, which I'm a big fan of, but sometimes we miss things because we're, we're for the sake of speed. We're just like, oh, and the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. No, the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. Like, he is transcendent. He didn't have to do that. But he became imminent so that we could be with him. It's just like, what? We have a whole episode on that, we by do. the way. Um, but, yeah, that's in my Bible it said, dwelt means to pitch his tent. So this not only, indicate, this not, um, only indicates the temporary of Jesus' earthly, um, like, mission here, mm-hmm. but it also... Um, does so with the term that recalls ancient Israel's tabernacle where God resided in the midst of his people. Mm -hmm. So dwelt is a very personal word. Jesus didn't just come to visit. Like he came to live among his people. Mm -hmm. And Jesus didn't act like he was too good to fully engage with the people and the society around him. And this is something that my husband and I have been very convicted about lately, about like fully engaging in our community and the people around us. Um, We live in the Austin area, like we said, and there's, you've probably seen it in the news. We have a ton of homelessness in Austin and we have just been so convicted to engage with those people, hear their stories, love them. Jesus wasn't too good. I am surely not too good. And so that's the part of this that has been very, very convicting to me. That's a good word. I'm just going to let that sit for a second. Oh, I was like, no, to like dwell no, with like, I mean, God has put each of us in different neighborhoods and your kids in different schools and all of those things for a reason. And that's something that's been convicting to me too, is really to just, you know, reach out to the people that God has, has put in your life. Um, so there's a lot in this, in this passage. I think one thing still in verse 14 that really stuck out to me was that phrase full of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another thing that's really kind of, hard for us to live out. Like we see Jesus give us a really good example throughout scripture of what that means to live in grace and truth. Um, another way to say that is to, to speak truth in love because we see Jesus do that, you know, multiple times, the woman at the well, we see it all throughout scripture and we don't really know exactly how do we do that? How oh, are we full so of grace and truth? I feel like we ask that question on the podcast every week. Like, how do <laughs> we speak good. truth in love? Like, it's yeah. just so hard and such a practical thing that we face every day with our kids and our friends and yeah. All sorts and I think of things. you know, 
just to stop and think, we either tend to go one direction or the other, maybe dependent on personality or the way that you're raised or your Enneagram type, I don't know. You might tend to extend grace, always extend grace, always extend grace, and sometimes at the cost of speaking truth. Or you might just say, hey, I'm speaking truth, I'm speaking truth, like that's what I'm, that's how I'm loving you is I'm just speaking truth and I'm not offering any type of grace. And so we've been really just trying to figure out for us individually, like how do we do that? Like live in the places we live, love the communities we're in, but do it in a way that is full of grace, knowing that it's the Holy Spirit who transforms, it's not us, but it is our job to speak truth. Um, and so that's kind of been a really a good talking point for us. Yeah, and this grace and truth here, it corresponds with the Old Testament words describing God's covenant mercies, steadfast love, which I know you love Mm -hmm. that term, steadfast love, and faithfulness. And so you can kind of put those together. Um, And if we want to figure out how to live in this grace and truth, I think the best person that we can look to is God in the flesh. Mm -hmm. We can look to Jesus, see how Jesus lived. He lived a a life of grace and truth, and so he's the best example for that. Yeah. That's a really good point. We have a, a series we did, um, oh gosh, about a year ago maybe, about community, and a whole episode was on this. So if you want to go back, you can scroll way back and, and find that. It was um, really, really good. We interviewed someone, so it wasn't us. So I can yeah. say it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> and when you hear grace upon grace, it's just a reminder that salvation is a gift. Mm-hmm. Grace upon grace. Yeah. We don't deserve it. Yeah, it's really good. So that is the end of... No, we've just verses. I know. I know. I was about to say that. But like we said at the end, um, we like to kind of wrap it up and say, "Okay, what was your biggest takeaway? What's the big picture of all this?" So, Erin, what was your biggest takeaway from these first eighteen verses of John? I'm gonna cheat and say two. Um, I think the first one is like, "What am I reflecting?" Like when we were hearing John say, "I'm not the light, but I am here to," you know spread the light. And so I think just really wondering, what am I reflecting? I want to be reflecting. And then just the fact that Jesus came and dwelt among us, it seems so simple, but that that's really what would be my biggest takeaway is I know that truth, but do I live in a way that shows that I've been impacted by that truth, that I've been transformed, that I've been changed, that I've been saved by that truth. I think mine was the exact same thing about Jesus dwelling with us Mm -hmm. and just um, looking to him for an example of how to live, how to live among, you know, our communities and um, just that sanctification piece to become more like Jesus every day. Yeah. Another thing we do often is, especially if we're walking through the book of the Bible, we'll pick a verse to memorize for the next week. So we'll put that out on the podcast. So like if next week we're going through verses 19 to the end of um, John 1, we'll say pick a verse and memorize it or we might give a verse. So like for this one, we probably would have done John 1, either John 1, 1 or John 1, 14. And then we would have spent the week leading up to it, memorizing that verse. And then um, you would say, okay, now at this point, you would decide what passage you're going to cover for the next week and then break that down into those bite-sized pieces and pray. And then that's it. Thank you for listening to our teaching on John 1 from the Proclaim Truth Conference. We hope it was an encouragement to you. Join us next week as we're back together again finally. And we will be diving back into Matthew, and we will specifically be focusing on Matthew chapter 17. We hope you'll tune in then. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobbs.